Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scottney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it, and the times we've used it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. Today I'm talking to Joe French. Joe is a film producer, climber, musician, barefoot runner and author. Combining his love of climbing, mountains and storytelling, Joe taught himself to become a climbing cameraman and started making films on the cliffs of Ben Nevis and beyond. This started a successful career in TV and Joe was soon working as a self-shooting producer slash director on high profile productions, including recreating Serena Shackleton's epic journey of survival in Antarctica. But Joe's experienced a great deal of trauma and tragedy whilst filming in the mountains. He's been lucky to survive on several occasions. In 2015, he was about to fulfil a dream of a lifetime to climb Everest and film it when tragedy struck. And Joe found himself at the epicentre of an earthquake which killed nearly 9,000 people. Only a few years previously, his team of Sherpas had been killed in another avalanche. And soon after that, Julie, his wife, was diagnosed with cancer. His experience of post-traumatic stress and the subsequent journeys of healing is the subject of his book, Out of Mind, which is out now. In it, he writes, healing is an ongoing process. That is how to start moving forward. It's not a case of getting a certificate, ticking a box and saying that I'm healed. It's about accepting what has happened and allowing it to become part of who I am, without it defining who I am, leaving me frozen in time. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Thanks for having me, Jen. Uh, very, very nice to be here. And thank you so much for coming along to Hathistidge the other night and seeing uh, seeing the launch of Out of Mind. That it was, was very, a fantastic nice evening. That. Thank you for being there. And it felt a real privilege to hear you play the guitar and sing some songs that you'd written. I wasn't expecting that. So. Yeah, that was a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> you set the bar high for all book launches there now. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, yeah, uh, it was a, it was a, yeah, it was an absolute pleasure to come down and do that, and um, yeah, to join you on this this fabulous podcast. I'm really excited to to be here. And you've got links down in the Peak District. You weren't randomly just in Hathersage. That's where it all began for you. Yeah, so I grew up in Sheffield, um, climbing on the Gritstone Crags there, and yes, I, I I felt very very lucky to have that as a as a. Uh, place to go to as a as a youth as a and to find this love of of climbing and movement on rock um from an early age and actually it was really special in Hathersage because uh, a teacher that I had Richard Hasco who was a teacher at High Stores School who used to take me out after school and introduce me to climbing he actually came along to the book launch and um and that was so special to see him again I've not seen him for many years so to to be able to thank him <laughs> Um, was was great oh that's fantastic especially well I'm looking at a very misty Kerber and Frogger edge out my window now and there's not much climbing happening up there now but when I was a teenager in the Peak District I like couldn't wait to get away I thought it was the most boring place ever and I didn't get homesick till I was off at university so it's nice that you appreciated it yeah, exactly. Well, I think Sheffield has is, is got a great, you know, you've got the city and I was growing up amongst the students in the city and and uh, playing in an indie band and, and um, yeah, pretending to be a student actually when I was probably a bit too young, <laughs> sneaking into pubs and uh, I used to pretend that I was studying marine biology, if anyone asked me. What it, <laughs> in the place furthest away from the sea. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why I chose that. But, oh, I thought um, it was an ironic joke. <laughs> 
Yeah, I just not thought it through. I used to get some quizzical looks. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so so that's so I used to 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 have quite a time in uh, having some fun in the city, and then going out and climbing in the in the Peak District was a great contrast, actually. Yes, whereas I was in the in the Peak District the whole time, and although we did, I would say I did lots of activities. Um, I couldn't wait to leave and get to a city. So, <laughs> and then when you were that young climber in Sheffield. What what were the career plans then? Was it to make a career out of mountains and climbing? Yes. Well, I, I think initially it was um, until I, I kind of realised early on that to be a professional climber or to, to really push it would require taking a, a, a great deal of risk. And I probably wasn't quite good enough to do that. So, um, so yeah, I kind of, I, I, maintain my climbing but but just as a as a as a personal pursuit that I love doing and um I started instructing actually um one of my first jobs was was to up at PGL Dalgais up in Perthshire and um started you know working with kids and and um didn't really have a career plan and uh, I guess I still haven't um <laughs> And one thing's just kind of led to another. Um, I, I really enjoyed working with with young people. I actually worked with as a classroom assistant in Sheffield as well uh, uh, for for a few years in my early twenties before moving up to Fort William and, and becoming involved in the arts project that I was asked to work on uh, up here. And I kind of swapped my my climbing on the gritstone for for the bigger mountains and the bigger routes up here, um, which was. Interesting because I kind of got used to climbing solo in the Peak District because you, you're just a uh, you know uh, twenty feet off the ground you know kind of um, seems quite manageable but suddenly up in the mountains it's a whole different proposition so um, so yes I had to kind of curb my enthusiasm a little bit where where I could for <laughs> climbing without ropes. I know. I mean, I've messed around in the Peak District, but the thought of doing these huge pitches that you were doing, like you open the book with well, quite early on with one that you're doing, um, Don't Die in Ignorance with Dave McLeod. It seemed like you were quite apprehensive. I was going to say out of your depth, but obviously you did it. And so you you weren't. But you were you seem to have a, well, quite a bit of trepidation about that climb. And and I was quite interested in in your climbing and how you managed fear. And it didn't it seemed very much type two fun, that one. Yeah, type four or five. <laughs> well, um, I mean, you, you, yes. Yeah, wow, what an experience that was. And so when I moved up to this arts project in in, in Fort William, uh, room 13, uh, I got given a, a video camera to, to work with the students with. And I thought, well, actually, if I've got this camera, I could I could make some climbing films. And, and um, uh, one of the first things I did was a documentary in, in Glen Nevis about the the history of climbing there uh, with my friend John Sutherland and we um, and from there I met Dave McLeod and I was a bit in awe of him I mean he's one of the world's kind of best all-round climbers and and suddenly he's there I'm, I'm filming him um, climbing and and you know he's becoming a friend and 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 it was quite wonderful um, and then I received this call to to go and join him on this route don't die of ignorance and and that's where the book starts is 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 doing this route with him, and don't have ignorance uh, is a, a, a 
well, it was first climbed in the mid 80s by Andy Cave and Simon Yates, and they used some aid to climb it, um, which means that they were, um, uh, it wasn't climbed free. And what Dave's plan was, was to climb it free. And he tried four times to do it for four years running, and he hadn't done it. And, and he asked me to go along, and I thought I could go along and film him. And it was quite extraordinary because I wasn't really expecting him to do it. And um, as soon as I saw what the proposition was, I, I really started to, to think that um, I was completely going to be out of my depth. But it was one of those situations where I, I, I was so excited as well and the thought of, of doing it. And I knew that if, if we could do it, history would be made and it would be the hardest route in, in Britain, the hardest mixed climb in Britain at the time. So, so yeah, I, I kind of continued on with it. Whereas I knew somewhere deep down that I shouldn't really be. And when he actually managed to do this tremendously hard bit of climbing, um, I suddenly realized I had to follow him. And that was one of the most kind of terrifying moments of my life so far, I guess. I was standing on a small uh, snow ledge and, and I was very cold. Um, I couldn't see Dave because uh, he was kind of up and round the corner from me. And I had to launch out into space. It was a traverse, so there was no footholds. And I literally had to hook my axes into the the carabiners that he'd left behind on the protection and try and aid myself across because I couldn't climb like he had. He was you know, way too, he's climbing in a completely different league. And then I became completely stuck because I was, I had one ax in one loop and one ax in another. And I was, uh, yeah, I couldn't move forwards or backwards and, and was in one of the, the most awful situations that, that just continue to get more and more <laughs> awful as I try to get myself out of it. <laughs> but what, and, and how were you getting out of it? Like, what what do you do in that situation? Is it trying to ignore the fear? Is it distracting yourself? Is it, or is there so much adrenaline that you're not even making conscious choices? How, I've never been in that situation climbing, so let me know. Yeah, well, well, first of all, it, it felt like a familiar feeling, which I, you know, you, you experience I mentioned before about climbing on the grit stone without any ropes. And sometimes you kind of think, oh, goodness, I've got, you know, I'm in this situation here. I've got, really got to focus. But but usually when I'm climbing, I, I, I always, without ropes, I always make sure I can reverse the move um, and, you know, don't try and keep myself out of uh, danger that way. But here, the, the, the fear started to build and, and I knew that there wasn't any way I could think of of getting myself out of the situation. And so... It, it almost became uh, like uh, the, the fear kind of escalated into into a point where I actually no longer felt that I was it was kind of happening to me. I had a very strange experience. By the time I was actually hanging by my wrist loop, um, we used to climb with leashes on the ice tool, so if you drop them, you didn't uh, you didn't lose it we don't do that anymore so much but but this wrist loop kind of caught my wrist and I ended up hanging um by this and at that point I just had this very profound change in perspective where the fear had built up to such a level that that it no longer kind of felt that it was happening to me and um I I got a really 
huge surge of strength which allowed me to do a, a, a one arm pull up and against the rope drag and, and get my arm free eventually and um, managed to get myself out of the situation but I found that that, that uh, adrenaline and that fear that I'd experienced kind of almost altered my my brain chemistry for a while afterwards I was so was... surprised at that because you you read um an extract when I saw you in Hathersage about that climb and I was like oh yeah that sounds like 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 the type two film where you're laughing about it in the pub after and and it's just been a great day but it actually seemed to you described it having quite a long-term effect on you and you talked about kind of the clarity that you had after this or this connect feeling of connection is that something that happens in the climbing world? Has anybody else had this or was it very new to you and and what you experienced? Well, it was very new. I didn't know of it happening to anyone else. And, and I, it was quite confusing because it felt so real. I, I, I really did feel like a, a sense of connection to, to everyone and, and everything. And there was no... Um, almost like the boundaries had, had, had dissolved somehow and and um it was it was incredible in some ways it was it was really a, amazing um experience and um but i i because i didn't really understand what was happening and why i was feeling like this it wasn't uh i don't think i could i could manage it really that well and so what I was um, experiencing in some ways as, as almost like a spiritual experience was was something that was was very hard for other people to 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 kind of understand, and it was very hard for me to kind of um, you know explain myself. I, I quite a lot had been going on in my uh, personal life during uh, leading up to the climb, um, which. Uh, I guess I was under a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and strain and um, somehow that whole experience I seemed to kind of leave all that behind and, and came down um, feeling yes just just like like nothing could touch me basically like I, I was I was free of, of, of all these things I've been worrying about and procrastinating about and suddenly life and death was was just uh, you know um, the, the the line between them had become so thin that that I also felt that I'd I'd kind of glimpsed beyond it I guess. And is that something I can imagine that feeling being something that you want to? I mean, it, spoiler, it wasn't sustainable, and you had a crash down after that. But that feeling as being something to chase is that? Do you think that can be a motivation for doing these hard climbs, big mountains, or? Was this just something very personal that that you don't see in other people? Yeah, well, I guess I, I've always been interested in in um, Buddhism and and the spiritual um, side of life. I've been visiting Nepal since I was eighteen, and I've always felt uh, 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 drawn to towards meditation and and other aspects of our minds, and, and I'm very interested in it. And so, I guess. The motivation behind climbing uh, in the first place for me is to to kind of become involved in a sense of uh, flow and a, and a sense of um, being completely present 
uh, in the moment and just being very alert to the, the feelings I'm experiencing moving over rock or mountain and and being mindful to that. And I guess that um, the, the experience I had after Don't Die, it didn't require any effort to feel this this sense of connection and this sense of flow. It just, it was just there. It was a spontaneous feeling. Whereas previous to that, I'd sat down and, you know, tried to meditate to, to, and find different states in, in that way. So, um, so it, it was almost discovering this, this kind of witness side to myself that usually I would have to look for, through meditating but it actually just presented itself because of the levels of of fear and and whatever going on me going on inside during that climb did you um consciously become that witness or was that something that happened in no. the moment right no and 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 i guess that's you know that the the, the th- one of the themes that runs through out of mind my book is that it uh is the witness and and is this this kind of um perspective that we can have on ourselves and our our thoughts and um and how to find that and how that can be helpful when when dealing with with trauma and um, recovery and how it also can present itself spontaneously during the heat of intensity in, in in very mm. extreme circumstances yeah which sadly that you went on to experience so from then it seemed like you know you had the connections and the the work kept coming in to put you in this position that you were going out filming on Everest with a guy doing a wingsuit jump I mean it sounded when you were talking in the book about that approach it sounded like it was full of excitement it was just such a great opportunity. There were doubts and a, a bit of imposter syndrome for your filming, but it just seemed like you were out there going to live a dream. And were you were you anxious of the risks, or was it just that the what you were going to gain would be far outweigh those thoughts about the risk? Well, first and foremost, it was excitement. I mean, I I taught myself to to climb in, in the Peak District and then and then film, you know, on the cliffs of, of, of Ben Nevis. And then suddenly I was getting this, you know, work on, on Everest. And, and I guess it, it was a, a dream come true, um, you know, to go and get paid and to, to go and climb and to go and be around these people doing these incredible things like wingsuit jumping and, and, and so on. And I felt a real, uh, yeah, really, really motivated and, and really proud to be um, to be asked along. And it was a huge production. Uh, we were going to shoot live, um, broadcast live this wingsuit jump from the top. And um, again, you know, I, I guess saying yes to it while I was back home and then getting out there and seeing, you know, how much kit there was and how much pressure we'd be under and, and um and so on. Suddenly, I did have a a little bit of a wobble, um, <laughs> but um, luckily, I had uh, you know friends there to 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 reassure and um, and yes. But you know, as we got closer to the the event and the actual live broadcast, obviously uh, things took a turn, 
and um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, the biggest uh, disaster then on Everest ever to happen hit, and sixteen Sherpa were killed in the icefall when a, a block of ice collapsed, and um, and yeah, suddenly this this dream job um, had become an absolute uh, nightmare, and um, five of our team that year were were killed, five of our Sherpa, and um, right at the very last moment, plans had been changed, so I didn't end up actually uh, being with them uh, in the icefall when the disaster happened. So, um, so yes, it, it was a it was quite a uh, quite a difficult period of uh, the, the start of quite a difficult period of time that trip. Yeah, which which forms the book. So, when did you start? writing about those experiences from that year and then the subsequent years as well was that something that you started straight away to just um try and make sense of it or did it come later on no i didn't i don't think i i really knew how to make sense of it to be honest at the the beginning and um i came home from that uh we'd we'd witnessed some some really you know um some pretty difficult um th- things and actually while while i was filming there it, it was interesting because the the camera became my barrier to the reality of what was going on so i was i was aware that we had to film what was going on in the aftermath and um and so I was kind of hiding behind the camera for a bit of protection from the reality of it. And, uh, you know, I was crying and filming at the, the same time at some points. And when I came back from it, I didn't, I didn't want to write about it. I didn't really want to, to, to talk about it much, actually. Um, I didn't really, uh, yeah, I didn't want to go there. I just felt that I was, you know, very lucky to, to, still be here and 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 um but also very sad that i'd not you know that i'd had to experience such tragedy with with so many friends and and so much loss out there and then the decision to to go back and take another job there was that something that you had the same excitement for or was it just not the same going back well in yeah, leading into that trip, um, so I, I got back in 2014, and um, and then a, a few months later, my wife Julie was diagnosed with um, with cancer, um, and so we had a very intense period of time as a as a young family going through that, um, which was. Uh, you know, it, it was quite extraordinary to see how Julie responded to that, and she had chemotherapy, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, um, and brachiotherapy, and her her resilience, I must say, was was absolutely just awe inspiring. She was she was in, incredibly strong, but it was it was quite tough. Our children were four and one at the time, and um, it was. It was a, a difficult time for for our family. So when I got the 
chance to go back in 2015, I was already doubting whether I should go or, or not. And actually, it wasn't to climb in, in 2015 to the summit. It was just to go back to base camp um, to make a documentary about the unsung heroes of Everest. And I did want to go because I thought it was a great chance to, 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 to make a really positive film about some of the amazing heroics that, that happened there and also to see people that I'd not had chance to say goodbye to in such traumatic circumstances the previous year. So it was a lot of procrastinating to decide whether I should go back or not. But, but Julie had, had responded well to her treatment and the, the chance came along and so I went for it um and I and yeah it was hard as soon as I got there it was I kind of was doubting whether I should have come and then I guess the whole of that trip I was I was it was a difficult trip because of what what I'd come from and as as you read the book you will you will um hear about the the various things that started to go wrong on that trip even before we started to approach the the big um tragedy that unfolded on the 25th of April. Mm. Which you put in so much detail in the book. I mean, it's really, it's hard to read in terms of what you saw in the aftermath of that earthquake and the destruction of your camp and other camps there. I'm conscious now that you're promoting this book and talking about this book and it you're reliving those experiences. I mean, I don't plan to ask you what you saw and, and what it was like, but how's that been now um having to go over this period of time in so much detail it's been a challenge i would say but a, but but a positive challenge so on the 25th of april nepal was hit by a a, a huge earthquake at 7.8 magnitude and about 9000 people across uh, the country were killed and 22 people at base camp um, were, were, were also killed when a, a huge avalanche was triggered above base camp. And, um, yeah, I was, I was there again as a cameraman, and I was there to make a documentary. And when I was buried in the avalanche i was knocked off my feet the way it kind of fell on base camp was was more like a, a bomb blast than a kind of traditional slidey avalanche so it, it kind of knocked me off my feet and i i my uh, airways were all um kind of filled in and i was suffocating and um and again during those moments i i felt that um witness state re-emerged that I'd felt during Don't Die, where the the experience of what was happening to me was 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 kind of from a different perspective. And I could I was aware of my my fearful cartwheeling mind. Um and I was also aware of a a, a more calm state that I was so becoming more and more absorbed in. And then suddenly it all finished. And I was left with some really difficult choices um, as I kind of uh, spluttered and hacked my myself back into action um, 
as to what to do with my camera and how to cover it, how to cover the, the, the trauma. So back to your question when you asked me, you know, how how has it been reliving it? It's been it's been a challenge because um writing about it is is one thing and 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 that was a kind of almost like a safe space i didn't start writing to write a book um i started writing to try and understand um whether i had this thing this this post traumatic stress um that i'd heard about and to try and get some order to to the thoughts that were were going in my round and round my mind in the kind of repeat um you know questioning myself and and how i responded and and did i do the right thing and 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 so on um quite intensely um so talking about it has been interesting because the writing about it you you kind of feel that it's almost private even though it's become a book it's you know i i i don't yeah i i I, I don't really do any social media and I don't I have not really shared any of this in any way. And I thought I'd, I'd write this book as a way of expressing myself to the world. And and talking about it is very different to writing about it, I think. Yes. And also in the book you talk about, which we'll get onto, that how the running and the cold water really helped you in the subsequent time when you came back and but it just struck me that they're so solitary (laughs) activities and now suddenly a book is shared and it's I'm hoping that it's creating positive connections as well as as the challenges yes it's it is definitely creating uh positive connections and 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 that was the kind of motivation to to do it and to share and be so honest um you know, I, I think to to open up and to talk about your your mental health um, openly is is helpful. Hopefully, for other people to read about, because maybe um, maybe as men we we don't talk about these things so much, and we can um, just have this veneer of oh, everything's okay and it's all right. Um, but yeah, actually, you know, if 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 it's if it's not okay it's it's okay to say that as well and and um and yeah hopefully by by talking about it and and sharing it in the way i have that has been uh and is helpful to people that might have gone through um tough times themselves i mean i, I can only speak for myself and um and how i've responded to to this but certainly the running and and the cold water which we'll get on to has has been a, a big part of how i've i've managed to to reground myself after finding myself in in this um quite confusing state of post traumatic stress mm. just going back to you saying about talking about your mental health is this something is there a culture in the climbing mountaineering community that it's even less spoken about in terms of difficult times and traumatic experiences is there a culture of kind of bravado we just get on with it we accept the risks the alcohol use like what i i don't come from that world and i just wondered how it is is dealt with because it's such a high risk and so many mountaineers that i speak to they can name so many friends that have lost their lives in the mountains yeah it's it's a very 
it's hard because in in some ways the the climbing is a kind of therapy for for hard times and and just the stresses of of day-to-day life that we 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 all go through um but it but but on the flip side of that it can also cause so much tragedy and and take away from us as well so uh, as a climber you kind of get caught in this this place where it's the thing that you love doing and it's your escape from the real world or or escape from the stresses of of um the world but it, it can also create um a lot of uh a, a lot of turbulence as well particularly when you you're losing friends i've lost friends myself in the mountains and um and you know i've obviously been lucky to survive and so i think talking about it and talking about our mental health is not something that that is feels familiar to me and and is something certainly that i didn't really do as you know up until this point so much um which is why I, i think that you know talking about it now and and um going through it again yeah i say it's a challenge but it's a it's a positive challenge because you know people have said that this is quite a brave book and 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 I, I I take that as a compliment, but but I've also, with that bravery, becomes exposing myself and 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 talking about things you know that now lots of people know about me that I've only just kind of admitted to myself. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. In terms of the culture, I I still don't think it's that common in 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 um in mountaineering to to really open up so much, but. A couple of friends actually came round to me, a couple of mountain guides after Everest and, and just came round to check how I was doing and, and so on and, and just, you know, very kind of off the record, just just asked, you know, some, some good questions about my uh, how I was and, and that was very helpful. So I think the, the more we do talk about these things, the better. But but that's not to say that it's easy to talk about these things. Mm. So what did help you when you came back? We already touched on on you getting outside in the running in the cold water. Like, How did that start? Well, it started by accident, really. Where I live up here in, in, um, in the Highlands, there's a forest next door and, and it's very wet underfoot. So I was just going in there and, and walking around and it was just a, a good solitary place to be. But... Um, but I was getting my trainers were getting soaking, and I had about three different pairs of trainers that I could never get dry enough to to wear. So um, one day I just thought, well, why don't I just try going barefoot in there? And 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 um, and that's you know I undid my laces and put my feet into the moss, and it just this sense of connection that that came over me was just really profound, and and I think that with my mind and um, uh, my thoughts all being so powerful at that time w- with with the, the intensity of the trauma that that was going through it that actually I needed to ground myself and 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 by by taking my shoes off and, and sinking my feet into the moss I think that that grounding started to take place and and then I started to run and I was running along these deer tracks that that I had to stoop under branches and 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 jump across drainage ditches and and suddenly I became so involved in in what I was doing in my movements that 
it reminded me of the similar state that I used to experience when I was climbing on the gritstone, that I was just completely absorbed in the, the moment of movement. And this was, was so helpful in, in terms of creating a little space between me and, and the kind of the, 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 the traumatic thoughts that were, were plaguing um, my psyche. I think that the period of time of, of the, that first disaster on Everest in 2014 and then, and then um, Julie's cancer and then the avalanche in 2015, that all pretty much happened in one calendar year. I think that was yeah, 12 months almost exactly, a few days over. So I think during that time, I think my levels of stress had just built up and built up and built up until a point where there's only so much stress you can deal with. And I think that when I was trying to navigate how to film in the aftermath of that tragedy, I think that's when the kind of real post-traumatic stress started. I was there as a documentary maker, but I was I, I, I didn't know whether I should be helping or filming or, or quite what I should be doing. And, and when I was helping, I was thinking, well, I should be filming this and, and they're going to want to see this footage. And then when I was doing you know when i was filming i was thinking well well you know what can i film and is this appropriate to film and 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 so on so i i got myself in a you know in a very challenging position about how to navigate it so i was still thinking about this when i came back um and and the running the barefoot i suddenly had that again the kind of little sense of being able to become witness to it so just a little space between me and my thoughts. So I wasn't so continuously going over them. Um, again, like the experience I had in the avalanche and the experience I had on don't die, which happened spontaneously, this required more effort, but it was a similar sort of state that I could, I could access. And, um, I guess that, that what, what it is, is, is a kind of mindful meditation of, of just, being able to become an observer to your thoughts rather than being the one that's latching onto them and, and being um, uh, and were you, consumed by them. Yeah. Were you climbing at the time or I was just trying to see what the difference was between the barefoot running and climbing because you talked about climbing, you being in that flow and present and you connecting with the rock and things. Were you climbing or were there things that you could only get through running? Um, yes, I, I, I've, I've continued climbing, but I think that the, the everyday life, sort of, you know, work and being a, being a parent and, and so on, suddenly it's not so easy just to disappear for, for a, a, a day to go climbing. Or There's to a just lot of faffing climbing. That's why running so much easier. Just get out the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so so yeah, it's just, it's a very it's, it's a quicker way to access that um, that state, a similar state of, of flow, but without the without all the rigmarole of having to go out for a whole day. <laughs> it's a lot of faff to not get very far in my climbing experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, so so I, I will always be a climber and will always. Um, <laughs> 
you know identify myself as that because it's such a huge part of me but but the running was just a way of 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 getting that similar sort of of intensity and and, and break um yeah so and while i was running in the forest um i also got it got it got into the cold water and and that was another really amazing um revelation to me that that how just getting into that cold water immediately just changes your your your, your mindset because you 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 go from being um you know in your thought world and, and thinking as we do and, 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 and so on. And then suddenly you've got this, these extra thoughts, you get into cold water and you've got all these voices saying, get out quickly. And, and what are you doing? This is crazy. And, and so on. But if you can just switch off from those again, I was realizing that I was just creating a little bit more space between me and my thoughts. So I became the witness to those voices telling me to get out and not, and not responding to them. And, and um again that was a really great help in uh in you know trying to understand my psyche and and i guess understanding that you 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 can you know never really stop your thoughts um i think our minds designed to 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 think and and so to try and to try and stop thoughts i think is 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 you know it's going to be impossible but to try and just witness them r- rather than uh be consumed by them um certainly very helpful and the the cold water definitely helped with that well yes i had a earlier episode with becca harvey who swam an ice mile and she talked about how the cold water helped with her post-traumatic stress but she did say that it warms up in summer and I don't know if maybe not in Scotland, but um, yeah. Did you find that that was just seasonal and you missed it at times because running's available all year round, but the cold water just isn't, I don't swim over summer. Um, Was that a problem for you? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely right. You kind of, you almost start needing it to be a certain temperature um, Mm. to, to get the effect from it. And it's just that initial blast of getting in and and feeling it's almost like a reboot. And so I wasn't swimming. I was just trying to to stand as as still as I could and and just experience all everything that was going on on my skin, the kind of burning sensations and the the the, the ice and fire um, and the, the 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 thoughts, like I say, that were were kind of going around my brain and just just focusing really carefully on my breath and and just trying to be as still as possible when when all this other stuff's going on and i guess that happens when the water is 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 the colder it is the the more intense that's going to be so the more the more intense the experience is so um so in the summer you can still run up higher into the mountains and and put some trainers on and go up and and run up there to find there's always cold water to be found (laughs) (laughs) Um, but certainly in the winter that is it's a a, a lot more powerful and I feel like the science is sort of coming out now about cold water and maybe also with the the nature connection and things but at the time I'm guessing you weren't reading books going oh I could try cold water (laughs) or running or something was this just was this just what you were finding by yourself just just doing anything that that made you feel better yeah, exactly. I mean, the, 
the the cold water there was actually a lochan with inside the the forest I was running in, and so it it, it was actually on. On, on the run itself, I had to run past this, so so it seemed obvious just to to get in. And plus, I've been I've been doing you know I've been going I've always loved going in cold water, and 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 so that's something that that's, oh, okay. that's not really that um, that new to me. But but what was what was really helpful was was finding this this space that it, it gave me, and and this kind of this help that it gave me in the recovery from from um, from what I was going through so so that was the revelation it, it it wasn't just a a kind of um a fun thing to do it's become a really important part of my life now actually and something that you'll you imagine keeping up it wasn't just yeah. a temporary yeah i've been in this morning um already <laughs> before this went for a for a barefoot run and a, a dip oh uh, i can't wait till i've got that lock on my doorstep <laughs> yeah, yeah. still a bit of a faff to get to to water from where i am <laughs> And what else has helped? I could suppose the the reason I started this podcast was to connect with people that had been through tough times and just collectively talk about how we've got through those tough times and what and what resilience is for us. So what else has been in your life to help you deal with those traumatic experiences that you went through? Well, um my family um you know that obviously they've 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 been here and 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 a, a great support and and an an inspiration to me so first and foremost but going through these things sometimes you find yourself kind of a, a little bit isolated because you you've you've kind of gone through things that other people haven't gone through and so um and so talking and, and and relating to people is 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 super important but but also but also having that kind of introspection as well has 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 been it's been necessary because i've not always wanted to feel like talking about it and you've asked me about how it's been talking about it and and you know as well as it being a challenge it's it's also been a, a really uh, positive thing to do and 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 to connect to people and to I've done some talks now and people start opening up about things that they've been through themselves and a, a conversation starts to flow and and that's just such a a wonderful thing we can do as as humans to help each other is just to 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 be honest with ourselves and and kind to ourselves and and to to be able to share things so talking uh with 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 friends and family um certainly but also um music for me is is a big part of my life and and i've been a, a a guitar player since i was a teenager and while i've been um writing this book um i've also been writing songs that which go with the book and you were lucky lucky enough to hear a couple the other night well such a privilege you'd written original songs and performed them when i saw you yes and and that was you know that's something i've always been quite uh shy about my music i i used to work in the high school here in fort william and 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 in, um facilitate students uh creating their own music and i used to work with them and and really got a great deal of enjoyment out of doing that um and so now i thought well it's my turn to try and kind of put it out there so so yeah the, i i guess in some ways the book is is uh, a more kind of considered 
um, a, a considered uh, um, account of what's happened, whereas the, the the songs I've written are perhaps more of a trying to capture the emotion of of what I'm experiencing in, in a in a different form. So, so yes, the m- music to me is 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 of, of really high importance as well, and that's really helped. The quote that I picked out of your book, there was so much in there that I really connected with. I like that idea that it's healing is an ongoing process and about accepting what's happened. And I think, in my view, there can be a tendency when something traumatic happens that you just want to get back to how things were as soon as possible and as easily as possible. But I found that through your book, you became quite accepting that these things were going to change you. Is that your view on on healing and getting through these traumatic times that we're not trying to get back to how things were before because that's just not possible? Yeah, well, I guess that that's what I've learned. Going, we can't really go back, um, and I think that it's it's looking forwards, but also being present in 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 the now. I guess of, of where we are with things, and and I think one of the the the, the, the great lessons I've learned from from Buddhism um, and and reading about um, such matters is, is impermanence and how everything is changing all the time and accepting what what has happened is, is is really hard to do sometimes and you desperately want to go back to how things were but but it's it's impossible so so the only way to move forward is is to somehow find some acceptance however difficult it is and then and then work with that and that's very easy to say but it's it's not very easy to do so yes i i think i I, I would have loved to say, yeah, okay, that's that over and done with. And and maybe in some ways I thought writing the book would be that for me and, and, and um, putting it all in the book and then I could, you know, that's that done. Move that's, on. Move on, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, um. but it's, yeah, it's it, it's not as simple as that. These these things, they have deep effects on, on our ourselves, our psyches and um, – I think learning to 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 be kind to myself about that and not expecting me to to just um be the same me as I was at this point in my life and that point in my life and whatever is is a really important thing because I am who I am now because of what I've experienced and 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 that's okay as well so so I think rather than um looking back or looking forward it's just trying to be okay with how things are now and did you carry on you've carried on in your filmmaking and how easy was that because it's such a theme in the book this storytelling and grappling with what you were witnessing and and also the responsibility you felt to film it was that an easy decision to carry on filming or is it something that you've considered moving away from no it's 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 something that i've 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 loved doing and and continue to love um i work as a producer director on on tv shows and 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 i've had some some really incredible experiences i've been very lucky um i've i've seen the world i've worked with some great people and um I really, I, I, I really love what I do in in that context. I think what I wanted to do in the book was explore the the fine line 
that we sometimes tread between what is what we should be telling as stories that uh, almost that has become for entertainment because we're getting so used to to seeing everything filmed and we can film everything and also you know what what isn't appropriate to film and and, and um, I think that line is quite blurred and certainly the responsibility I felt in the heat of the moment and the the extra pressure that suddenly getting a camera out and and filming people already at the point of um uh, you know their limit and then thinking about you know whether I would like that to happen to myself as well and putting putting myself in in their situation i think it's quite an important thing to think about um so yeah t- tv can can um can be a, a, a stressful industry and, and it's, it's not always easy and you, you, you know you're having to work very hard but yeah what I get from it is is something that I, I will continue to enjoy I, I think but as long as it's kind of done in the right way mm. that's that's the the crucial bit for me I, I think that it's um yeah it, we've got a good a big responsibility as storytellers I think um how to tell the stories in the most appropriate way and you've actually been back on Everest since haven't you which you write about in the book and that seemed like a difficult experience again but something that ultimately it felt like it ended a positive experience that you'd you'd gone back there yeah exactly I went back in 2016 to film another series and um, and this time it was about helicopter rescues and, and so on. It was a big, exciting show. And um, it was quite a decision to go back, obviously, what had happened to me in the previous couple of years. But uh, but uh, I went back and quite unexpectedly had had like a mini breakdown as I, as I walked in. And, and I'd been having this recurring nightmare about, avalanches and and so on and 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 it was a very strange experience because as i was walking back into to base camp that first time i felt like i was actually physically walking back into my nightmare and and that strange sensation you have as a, a kind of um like sleep paralysis i kind of almost started to feel that as i was walking in and and i i kind of hit the floor under a a tremendous weight and um and cried and, and cried and 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 then um had to get myself up and start filming because I was working so it's it was quite an experience and again it's an interesting thing because I, I say in 2014 when I was filming the camera became quite a, a a barrier between me and what was happening and then in 2015 the camera became this this extra element of stress that I really didn't want to have to deal with in that moment I wanted just to be a a human being experiencing this horrible tragedy in in the way that I could be just a a human being experiencing it not as a professional that had to make difficult choices and then again in 2016 I was there to film a tv show and and I was lucky to be involved in a really successful expedition and um, really enjoyed making the show and and meeting the people that I did and and, and being back 
And so, yes, it was a it, it was a very positive experience. And and I write about that in the book. And it's you know, it, um, you know, Greg Paul um, and Noel Ang's ascent at the end. Um, yeah, it was quite special. So. Yes, going back. And I've actually been back again this year as well. I, I went back to see how I am now after all this writing and, and post-traumatic stress and, and everything. And so to go back this year was was pretty special as well. And you weren't working for that one? I wasn't working. <laughs> I just went back just as myself and um, I met people. I walked into base camp. I just had conversations I was still still cried on the way back to base camp. You know, eight years after it happened, the 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 um, the, the, the trauma is obviously still there inside me. And and um, and again, it comes back to this thing I, I, I say about is it's not a case of getting a certificate and and saying it's done. It's these events they 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 change us and, and that's okay. You know, um, um, I can only speak personally for, 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 for what I've been through, but, but certainly being kind to myself about that is, is, is something that I, I, um, is, is helpful. And I liked how in the book we talked about obviously these huge traumatic events and what had helped you, with the running and the swimming and nature and being outside. But it also seemed that these were things that helped you in everyday life as well. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. Everybody's got those stresses in life. I'm not saying that it's completely stress-free, I'm guessing, but it's more about that we can deal with the stresses and feel that we can cope, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, we're all going to experience stress in our lives and we're all going to experience uh, hard times. And I guess because I've experienced uh, quite a lot of acute stress in one period of time, I've, I've become very aware of, of what stress, how stress affects me and, 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 and what it, what it is. And I guess that in itself is a, um, a, uh, it is, is a way of, 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 helping you to deal with it is, is to come to terms with it and to, to understand it and that, that we do experience stress in our everyday world and, and our everyday lives. And it doesn't matter if, if I'm going through the Everest thing or whatever, or, or it's just a, a, a difficult day at work or something like that, still the barefoot running and still the cold water still help with that. So, so it's not just, um, I don't think it's just, uh a a um for people that that have gone through um acute trauma i think finding ways of coping with stress is important you know for for us all to to help us all just just deal with this this life that we that we 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 go through um so yeah i think that that everyday stresses and um you know can can be um equally hard to deal with if not addressed and, and dealt with correctly yes and I feel like I've managed to do a whole podcast about resilience without forgetting to mention the word resilience but I feel like that's everything that we've been talked talking about but in terms of resilience what does what does that mean to you and what and what have those 
in those years of experience that you've had recently, what does that taught you about resilience? Well, that resilience is is something that we, um, I think, have innately within us and that we must believe that we, we have it and we can find it. And however difficult that times can be and, and our circumstances can be, that, that there is ways of 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 accessing it and and believing that it's there and and certainly even writing this book and 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 talking about this book is is almost learning a, a new level of 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 resilience for me and now that I've shared this with the world and and um and it's out there and I've 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 kind of put it out there and and now I've been talking about it and and I've got you know I've got to somehow uh detach myself from the book and and how it's doing and and be resilient in that way that 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 it you know because um we we need to be resilient in in uh all aspects of our lives I guess if we can be because um you know things things aren't always easy um and you know it's it's not always easy to feel resilience either and and if you don't to kind of be kind to yourself because it will come yes well i started this podcast because i didn't feel resilient but one of the things that i have learned is that i was a lot more resilient than i was giving myself credit for and also it's okay to have those days feeling sorry for myself on the sofa <laughs> not not being productive because that's part of resilience as well as the the more outwardly recognised days of resilience. Oh. Yeah, so, and, and, and I suppose it's not not just a kind of uh, a false sense of it as well. It's being true to yourself, I think, uh, I think resilience. Like you say, you, you know, if you're not feeling great, that's okay. You know, you don't, you don't necessarily have to kind of pretend. Yes, and I guess through all this, if we'd have just seen you back out working, going on your trips, we'd have called you incredibly resilient for doing that. But actually, you could be falling apart on the inside and and we wouldn't know. And <laughs> I think it's just showing a, a different level of resilience, just coming out and talking about this, putting your book out and letting people that you've barely met before, like me, asking you really deep and personal questions. It must be, yeah, it's it's a level of resilience there. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and as we were talking, because I was like, what's it like? Because I might be doing the same next year. <laughs> uh. well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's been, you know, it's, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And, 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 you know, I'm learning the whole time. I, you know, I, I can only speak from my own experience. And, and people have experienced kind of far worse trauma than I have and, and are going through different different things themselves. Um, but certainly talking about it, doing the barefoot running, the cold water has been really, really helpful. Um, and however challenging it, it is to talk about it, I think it's a good thing to be to be doing. I'm so glad you're talking about it. And you talk about it so articulately in your book as well. So thank you. And I'm interested to hear about all these journals and <laughs> writing that you've been doing for years and never putting out so what's what's in the plan for the future is there going to be more writing or is this something that you'll move away from 
Yeah, well, I, I've I've discovered through through doing this that I really really do love writing, and 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 certainly as a, it's certainly been really helpful to me to do in in terms of of, of of helping me through this time, but also it's been really enjoyable, and 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 um, and and hearing that people are enjoying the book and and getting something from it is is a real uh, thrill, and um, I've got I've got other ideas for for other things I'd like to write about. Um, so yeah, it, I, I guess it's, it's, um, once I commit to something, then, then that's it. I'm going to get it done. And, um, and yeah, I've just got to figure out wh- at what point do I commit to the, to, 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 to doing some more writing, but, um, there's, there's journals and there's stories and there's, there's still lots more to be told. So. And wh- one of the themes in the book is you seem to have this kind of lack of confidence sometimes in like your job when you were in the studio and then when you were out filming have you had any of those feelings putting yourself out as a writer and if so how have you coped with those well I think that you know those those feelings that I talk about in the book I think can you know I I I would I don't know, but maybe lots of other people can identify to that kind of slight feeling of doubt about yourself or, or this or that. And, um, again, that's where, uh, a resilience comes in to kind of, you know, to, to, to turn off those or, or certainly accept those thoughts, but not respond to them. Um, and so putting myself out as a writer, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've got no background in writing, and suddenly I've done this book, and and some some incredible people have said some some lovely things about it as well, which is has given me a real boost in confidence. So, um, you know that that I, I yeah, it's hard because if you you know writing about things that are so personal is one thing and then writing about things that are so personal and then having it critically examined by people and, and becoming this, this commodity that people are buying is a, is a, is something else as well. So I think, you know, I, I, the, the, the book had to, I had to be pleased with what the book was um, to be able to, to kind of to go through this uh, process of what I'm doing now and talking about it mm. and so on. And I think at one point in the book, I can't remember if you're quoting somebody else, but I think you said like if if everything was easy, there'd be no opportunity for growth. And I I like that. Yeah. Sometimes exactly. we have to accept. Andy. Yeah, Andy Tyson. Oh, was it? Oh. Yeah, sadly no longer with us. Um, yeah, what a, an amazing guy he was. Yeah, it sounded like he had such a great outlook and so much um, so much that you learned from him. And this is normally where I promote your social media, but you don't have any. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. It's, it's a funny thing. I've, I've, I work in media, and I, I kind of guess I, I'm one of the few that that I, I make plenty of content for other people, but I don't do any myself. And I guess writing the book was my, uh, my, um, my kind of way of, of of communicating with the world that I was. Uh, with, with doing so, uh, yeah that's what they did in the victorian times but now you can get on instagram joe <laughs> i'm pretty old school I you guess. live in like such an amazing place and i just yeah would would love to see photos of that but it's it's not gonna happen is it <laughs> well perhaps perhaps yeah 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 <laughs> pushing um, that comfort zone 
<laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess it's yeah. I've been, it's been quite a personal journey this one for me of of healing and and the forest and my connection um, to to nature and and I guess sharing it in the book is is um, it's my way of, of of like I say communicating at the moment um, and so whether I, I I jump on Instagram or not um, you know hopefully the book will still um, <laughs> still continue to circulate and people get. Uh, something from and, and when you're running I was wondering because you, of how you describe it as being this such this uh connection that you're having with the earth and I'm like I'm sh- pretty sure he's not wearing a watch we're not going to get these on Strava <laughs> do you just no. completely know technology we're not timing your swims <laughs> oh well you're no, standing exactly. in cold water <laughs> exactly it's, it's more being when I'm running, I'm, I'm really concentrating on my breath and just trying to breathe like the barefoot stuff in the forest when there's no hills. It's all about trying to maintain a steady rhythm of breath. So that's what I'm focusing on. And when I'm in the water, it's again, it's, it's focusing on, on breath. And, um, and I guess the, 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 the old school approach rather than the... <laughs> well, as somebody who spent three and a half years running coaching with heart rate data and analysing every single step cadence, like it just felt like an act of rebellion that you were just going out there in the forest running when nobody, not even telling anyone around it, about it until now. I, 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 I think that you're absolutely right. And and. That's why I started climbing in the first place was was kind of my rebellion and and back in the the um you know the late eighties when I started climbing it it did feel like a quite a rebellious activity climbing um it's become a lot more mainstream uh, since then, which is a great thing and 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 um but you know when I started, I think there was only one or two climbing gyms in the whole country um so it's become um yeah, it's become uh, a, a different uh, a different thing, and so I think there is a, there is a, a, an element of rebellion in me, and and, and perhaps that's why you know I, the um, yeah I've, I, I I tend to, to shy away from things that I feel that that everyone else is doing. I want to I don't necessarily want to do that. <laughs> but the irony is, we can't see your rebellion because it your rebellion is not being on social media and being visible for us. <laughs> I know. You yeah. need to set up oh, an account and then just not post anything. Maybe that would be it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's really. I, I think it's a fascinating subject. I think it's it's it is. You know, we're living in in very interesting times. I think, um, uh, 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 you know, and, and about how we we share things and what we're sharing and and mm. and, and how that's making us feel. Um, are all interesting topics I think yeah and just how instant the sharing is we can share live on um on our our devices now which I again I find fascinating after perhaps the old school of editing and and things yes ah well hopefully that's another topic that you can write about and (laughs) give us some more books but thank you thank you Joe. and yes thank you for writing your book which I loved I haven't even mentioned that Greg with his knee replacements gives me great hope of me getting up some mountains in the future. And, um, but thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your experiences and letting me ask you these questions today. No, that's, that's quite all right, Jen. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And, um, I really think what you're doing with this podcast is wonderful. So thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Resilience Rising podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do help people find us by hitting subscribe, leaving a review or sharing us with others. Thank you so much and see you next time on the Resilience Rising podcast.